This is Chris McGregor. The work of Discerning Hearts could not continue without your prayers and support. Between now and December 31st, please consider making a year-end tax-deductible gift. Click Donate at either DiscerningHearts.com or inside the Discerning Hearts free app. Your generous support will allow us to continue our podcast for those on the discerning journey. Thank you and God bless from all of us at Discerning Hearts. DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha, presents Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. Pope Francis, in his encyclical letter, Lumen Fidei, The Light of Faith, said that face past, the act of Jesus' love which brought new life to the world, comes down to us through the memory of others, witnesses, and is kept alive in that one remembering subject, which is the Church. The Church is a mother who teaches us to speak the language of faith. In that spirit, this series of conversations with Archbishop Lucas brings the many aspects of the Catholic faith and why it matters, not only to the individual, but also to families, communities, and the world at large. Why it matters an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome, Archbishop Lucas. Thank you, Chris. It's good to be with you again. There's a voice crying out in the desert, and he's saying, repent. And we're hearing that message in our gospel on the second Sunday of Advent. Before long in the season of Advent, we get introduced again to the figure of John the Baptist and to his unique role in God's plan for our salvation in, in, in Jesus Christ. He exercised his role by preaching a message of repentance, which was a, a way of preparing people to, to meet the Lord because Jesus comes as, a, as our Savior to free us from sin. John was aware, we should be too, that if we think we have no sin, then we, we don't need a Savior. And the coming of Jesus really doesn't mean anything uh, for us. He comes at the end of a long line of prophets who in a variety of ways were inviting the people to turn back to God and to, to godly ways. Also, they were inviting people to hope in God's promises for some decisive uh, moment in the future. They didn't know exactly what it was going to be or when it, when it was going to be, when the, the power and the mercy of, of God would be made visible something beyond what they could even imagine. For those who have undertaken scripture studies, they will learn so much about the area, the region, about locusts and honey and where the Jordan is on the map and many of the important things that kind of create a a wider picture. But we can't lose the central message that this is a time, here is that voice that's saying, come back to me essentially. It's a powerful one, isn't it? It is. You know, those details that you, that you describe are also important. It's, you know, they're not the central message, but a central part of the message of the, of the coming of Jesus is that he really did come in a particular time and, and place. The coming of Jesus, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is not a, a legend that somebody made up or that a, people brought a bunch of strands of stories together at, at some point and, and created so the study of Scripture and even the possibility of a pilgrimage to the Holy Land for those who are able to do that, it can really bolster our, our faith in the reality of the coming of Jesus, his, his first coming, we say, uh, when 
he was born in Bethlehem and then grew up in Nazareth and now as the as the gospel is preparing for us in the message of, of John, he's about to begin his public ministry and, and really make himself known, make, make himself visible. In this uh, passage from St. Matthew's Gospel, uh, not surprisingly, John is an effective preacher and he's a bit of a character as he's described and so people were um, paying attention to him. He was being noticed with some enthusiasm. I think people were, were beginning to wonder, well, maybe this is is the one we've been waiting for. Maybe this is the Messiah. Maybe this is the moment in the coming of this person that we've been prepared for. And so he's very quick to, to point out that he has a, an important role to play in calling people to repentance and inviting people to this uh, ritual baptism in, in the Jordan. But something bigger is coming. And he's very clear about that always when he refers to the coming of, of Jesus. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. John the Baptist appeared preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It was of him that the prophet Isaiah had spoken when he said, A voice of one crying out in the desert, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. John wore clothing made of camel's hair, and had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. At that time, Jerusalem, all Judea, and the whole region around the Jordan were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they acknowledged their sins. When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce good fruit as evidence of your repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God can raise up children to Abraham from these stones. Even now the axe lies at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I am baptizing you with water for repentance. But the one who is coming after me is mightier than I. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The Gospel of the Lord. There again, you know, it's a more evidence of what we learn in the kerygma that, that God has really been preparing his people for the fulfillment of, of his plan, which couldn't be seen un, until Jesus actually came and people began to get to know him and, and put their faith in, in him as, as the Son of God. Uh, John had the unique privilege of being able right on the spot, you know, to point to him and, and to begin to help people understand who Jesus is, his, his unique role now in God's plan. Are we called to be John the Baptist in the world? Is that something that we're supposed to do? Yes, it's um, not unlike the kind of uh, evangelizing mission that Jesus has entrusted to his disciples. As we've said before, not coming again as a baby in Bethlehem, but the Lord is with us in the church, and uh, we and our neighbors are able to, to encounter him. But many people won't encounter him if they don't know to look. And if somebody doesn't sort of alert them 
to, to this beautiful possibility that they could encounter the risen Son of God right where they live, right, in, in their daily life and experience in an even more powerful way in the, in the sacraments of the church. It's a different feel, isn't it, than Lent. It just has a different character to it, that call to repentance. How is it that Advent also has that nature, but not like Lent? Yeah, they, they were developed in the church for, for different purposes, we might say. But certainly the gospel that we hear on the second Sunday of Advent is meant to help us be conscious of the, the need for the one who can forgive our sins. As I said, we won't be aware of the need for, for the Savior or for forgiveness if we're not, if we're not aware of, of our sins. We have a little experience of this at the beginning of the Mass every week. We take a moment to call to mind our sins so that we say we can enter more worthily into the, the mysteries we, we celebrate. What does that mean, enter more worthily? Well, we know who, who we are. We're sinners in need of forgiveness, and we're going to enter into the mystery of redemption, uh, into the mystery of the, of the Lord's death and resurrection, which, which takes away sins and heals the, the rift between us and, and God. So it's a little Advent, you might say, at the beginning of the Mass always. But we have these weeks now where we're not invited to do penance in the same way as we do during the season of Lent. There's a whole, whole different reason for why that is such a central feature of, of, of that season. Many of us have the practice of celebrating the Sacrament of Reconciliation during the season of Advent. So repentance is always good. doesn't matter the season. But in this particular season, it helps us have the experience of acknowledging our sins so that we can say, well, well I'm, I'm qualified then to have a Savior. I need a Savior. I've sinned. We don't say that with pride, but it's true. It's true about me. And so this is where the Savior wants to come and apply mercy, right there where my sins have caused damage to me and to others. I can receive that forgiveness, be restored to, to the life of grace. It's the, the mission of Jesus, the reason for his coming. And it's, it helps us, I think, celebrate Christmas in a mature way. They're not just focused on the baby Jesus. It's okay to focus there, but, but in a more mature way that, you know, my, I put my life in jeopardy, my eternal life in jeopardy by my sins. And God is sending his son to save me from that and to, and to put me back in, in his good graces. In some ways, his message is prepare yourself. You know, if I'm going to have folks over during the, the holiday season, as it were, I would want to clean up my house. I would want to get things straight so that when my honored guests come, that they would even deign to spend time with me, that this is a place of welcome. In some ways, maybe isn't that part of the nature of how we should look at ourselves and getting ourselves prepared to the ultimate of the great gift? Exactly. It's an, an ancient tradition in the church it's leading up to any feast day that we would have a time of preparation. So sometimes, and again, in some places and in, in church history, there would be days of penance and fasting you know, leading up to a, a particular feast. Just as you say, you know, to focus on the, the, the one who saves us and the mystery that we're celebrating. And we can celebrate it in a lot of ways. We can, you know, have a party, have a feast. That, that that that's all good. But we don't want to miss the, we don't want to miss the meaning. And we might miss it if we're just taken up with our normal activities and and don't step back, pray, fast, perhaps in in uh, um, in, in our case in our life in the Catholic Church, we have the opportunity to celebrate the sacrament of of reconciliation and to see ourselves as we are, but then see who God is, uh, and, and receive the, 
the, the mercy that's always offered to us there as, a, again, a way of, of preparing for, for the central meaning of, of Christmas, which is the coming of a, of a Savior. And we have a Savior because we need to be saved, and God wants us to be saved. Now, for anyone who wants to announce the kerygma, this is such a key passage, isn't it? The one who is coming after me is mightier than I. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Pretty powerful passage, isn't it? Yeah, I wonder what people thought when they when they heard that the first time. We look back now and and understand that he's talking about Jesus, and, and we understand the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We don't understand it completely, but it makes more sense what John was saying. So all the more reason for us to listen to it uh, with our understanding now at our point in, in, in salvation history. It's true, again, it's part of, the, part of announcing the, the kerygma is to acquaint ourselves first, but then share with others the various aspects of God's saving plan for us in Jesus Christ which is what John was previewing, really. And, and as I say, it wasn't so clear to everybody then what he was saying. What he was saying was true. But uh, we, we see with more clarity now. We'll return to Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas in just a moment. Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. Litany of Humility O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being approved, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being despised. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebukes. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being calumniated. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being suspected. Deliver me, Jesus that others may be loved more than I, that others may be esteemed more than I, that in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease, that others may be chosen and I set aside, that others may be praised and I unnoticed, that others may be preferred to me in everything, that others may become holier than I, provided that I become as holy as I should, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Amen. We now return to Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. 
in our own proclamation, as it were, of the kerygma to others, to those co-workers and to our family members and to the many people we'll be engaged in, how does that look when given the context of this potential part of the Advent season? Yeah, I like the, the question, how does it look? Sometimes we might think of announcing the kerygma, we might wonder, well, how does that sound? What are the words going to be? But I think first we should wonder, so how does it look? So when somebody looks at me, experiences me, when I'm specifically preaching or, or announcing the, the kerygma, but just experiences how I deal with them, how I care about them, care, care for them, what's that experience? And are they experiencing someone whose life has been changed by the coming of Jesus Christ in reality and in, in time, but also his, his coming in my life and my uh, being open to, to a relationship? With him, as John was doing, he was sort of softening people up, we might say, and and preparing them to to in, encounter Jesus in a variety of ways. We hear some of the ways in the in the gospel, but that's uh, that's our work, our privilege, really, to to enter into relationships with with people, to care about them, to meet them where they are, to care about them for, for their own sake. If we have the opportunity to share something of our life of faith. Not in a manner of telling them what they should do, but just sharing what what the coming of Jesus into my life has has meant for for me. The, the Holy Spirit, with whom we have been baptized, becomes effective in what we're sharing. The Holy Spirit acts in the heart, in the in the ears, in the person of, of those who are receiving it, and then and we see what happens in you know in God's providence. This can awaken in the hearts of many people out there this particular time of year. A desire or a memory, I want to come back into my faith. Something has happened. I feel separated. I just can't get there. And it can be that one voice. It could be your voice. It could be my voice. It could be someone just saying, if you'd like, you can come and join me at Mass this weekend or at some other prayer service or whatever that might be or a scripture study. Just that one invitation like John. That, that could be a concert. It could be an art exhibit of religious art focused on Christmas. It could, it could, we, we have such a richness, you know, in our experience. Yeah, I think sometimes it could be a, a, as simple as just sharing that, you know, an important part of Advent for me is to go to the Sacrament of Reconciliation and I wish that I were over some of these things by now, but I'm not. And and I just always feel the goodness of the Lord. I don't feel judged. I feel just, I just feel forgiven. And then maybe just sharing that experience will be, will help somebody else. Somebody seems the least interested. Uh, I can invite them to come with me. Uh, and maybe there's, um, maybe we have a parish penance service. So there's a chance to pray together and be around, around other sinners who are also anxious to welcome the Savior. For somebody who's been away for a while, it can just get, you know, putting your foot in the door can be a big thing. And, and maybe walking in with somebody else is just the thing that that could be helpful. And, and so maybe somebody would come with you to a parish penance service and then maybe at the last minute decide, no, I can't go to confession. But, um, but they've been there for the praying part of it, have seen that it's available. And then maybe, maybe the next time around, maybe at some other point, or maybe just some other. Saturday, they might have the grace decide, you know, that's something that I really do want. I saw these other people receiving something, and I want that too. So we just, we, we just don't know. You know, we can't script it for, for somebody else. But I think we can be pretty certain that if nobody ever invites anyone, it's not likely they're just going to wander. And some do, by God's grace, you know, all on their own. 
making use of, of Catholic radio uh, here, but that's a great blessing we have in our, in our area because people can be exposed to our faith and to an invitation, especially during the season of, of Advent on Catholic radio in a very non-threatening way. They can listen. They don't have to even let anybody know, know that they are. So we know that's a, ve- that's a very powerful grace. Faith comes through hearing, the scriptures tell us, and, and it was God's design that the coming of Jesus would be announced by John so that people would go, okay, maybe this is it. You know, this is real, and this is, this is for me. That same kind of announcement, invitation, however you want, you want to put it, uh, can, can be effective now, and I'm not sure much will happen in this noisy world uh, if, if there aren't some real personal efforts uh, to, to reach out to someone, and again, to meet them where they are and to make it a gentle invitation, not so much say what somebody should do, but invite them to be part of something that you're going to be doing. And if, if it's someone who knows you and respects you, they just might say yes. And to shore up the relationships we have already in our parishes. And what I mean by that is as you enter into the church, just saying hello to people, make a point of trying to say hello. What a beautiful day. Isn't this wonderful? How are you doing? To somebody you don't know, a face you haven't recognized before, or maybe one you have but you've never spoken to them. Yeah, I think we should be confident that on any given Sunday in our in our parishes, there's somebody who Jesus desires to meet in a deeper way, a more profound way. Someone who maybe has that own their own desire for that, and who's going to make that connection or that introduction? We celebrated Christmas that God's love for us is very personal. So He didn't just throw the book at us, but He gives us the gift of, of, of His Son. And the mission of Jesus continues to be carried out and continues to flourish in a very personal way. I agree. We really should be kind of on alert at Mass on Sunday, you know, not to be bothering people, of course, but also not to be, to just sort of take for granted that everybody's, you know, on their way and, and doing fine. I don't think anybody would experience getting punched in the nose, you know, if they went up and said hello to somebody or introduced themselves or invited somebody to come to the pancake breakfast after Mass with them, you know, sit with us. Uh, there are just any number of very human ways. Again, the, the beauty of Christmas is that this, this is happening in a very human way. It's divine and human at the same time, but the human aspect of, of salvation is part of God's design. Also, this is the time in Advent where we have some time. It's not right on top of the actual Christmas experience that can become even more busy than what we're experiencing right now. And when we think about trying to find gifts, there are some really simple ones that we could get, whether it's prayer cards or maybe pamphlets, which has spiritual encouragements in them. Maybe that's what we can give somebody who is a waiter that is taking care of us at a meal or all kinds of things. See where I'm going with I that? do. It's beautiful. You know, we have the, the parable of the sower reminding us that God just sows very liberally his word, his, his grace, and, you know, why shouldn't we do the same thing? You never know what effect it might have. It takes a little bit of courage. We want to be gentle about it and maybe even have a little humor about it if somebody pushes it back to us. But mostly people will receive it, and then you never know. Somebody might look at it and think, meh, I don't know about this. But then they might pass, pass it on to somebody else who is the one who, that's really supposed to go to anyway, you know, in, in, God's, in God's providence. Uh, you, you know, you said we have a little time. This year, the Advent is as long as it could possibly be. So if you're a kid, you know, that seems terrible. That is, it takes so long till Christmas. It always comes at exactly the same time, but we do have four full weeks, and so is just at the 
as we mark the second Sunday of Advent, there still is time to pray, time to repent, time to shop, time to do the things that, that, that we have to do. But we want to take the time for the spiritual blessings that are being offered to us and, and then take the time to share uh, spiritual blessings and encouragement with others. And just ask John the Baptist to be with us, to help us in, in helping to prepare the way for not only ourselves but for others. Yeah, he didn't seem to be embarrassed by, <laughs> by uh, presenting himself as he was and, and sharing this beautiful, beautiful message. And I think that would be maybe his encouragement uh, to us, just get out there and offer what you know to be true to someone else. Don't be embarrassed. And then we see what happens. Thank you so much, Archbishop Lucas. Thanks. God bless you. You've been listening to Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. To hear and or to download this episode, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas.